Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kevod Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Monday, November 21st. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11 and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north, even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Toldot, and it means generations. Genesis 26, 6-12 So Isaac stayed in Gerar. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, She is my sister. For he was afraid to say my wife, thinking, The men of the place might kill me on account of Rebekah, for she is beautiful. When some time had passed, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looking out of the windows, saw Isaac fondling his wife Rebekah. Abimelech sent for Isaac and said, So she is your wife? Why then did you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. Abimelech said, What have you done to us? One of the people might have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. Abimelech then charged all the people, saying, Anyone who molests this man's wife, man or his wife shall be put to death. 
Isaac sowed in that land and reaped a hundredfold the same year. Hashem blessed him, and the man grew richer and richer until he was very wealthy. Ezekiel 42.1-43.27 He took me out by way of the northern gate into the outer court, and he led me westward up to a complex of chambers that ran parallel to the northern ends of the vacant space and the structure. The width of its façade, its north side, the one from which it was entered, was one hundred amount, and its depth was fifty amount. At right angles to the twenty amount of the inner court and to the pavement of the outer court, the complex rose ledge by ledge in three tiers. There was an areaway ten amount wide, and a road of one Amma, running along the inner court side of the chamber complex, but its entrances were on its north side. Here its upper chambers were cut back, because ledges took away from them as construction proceeded backward from the bottom ones and then from the middle ones. For they were arranged in three tiers, and they had no columns like those of the chambers in the courts. That is why the rise proceeded by stages, from the ground, from the bottom ones, and from the middle ones. In the outer court, a wall fifty amount long ran parallel to the chamber complex, up to the chambers in the outer court. For the chambers in the outer court were themselves fifty amount deep, thus completing one hundred amount along the edifice. Thus. At the foot of that complex of chambers ran a passage of a width set by the wall in the outer court, which one entered from the east in order to gain access to them from the outer court. There was another chamber complex to the east of the vacant space and the structure, likewise with a passage in front, just like the complex on the north side, with which this one agreed in width and depth, and in the exact layout of its exits and entrances. Accordingly, the entrances to the chamber complex on the south side were approached from the east by the entrance at the head of the corresponding passage, along the matching wall. And he said to me, The northern chambers and the southern chambers by the vacant space are the consecrated chambers in which the Kohanim, who have access to Hashem, shall eat the most holy offerings. There they shall deposit the most holy offerings, the meal offerings, the sin offerings, and the guilt offerings, for the place is consecrated. When the Kohanim enter, they shall not proceed from the consecrated place to the outer court without first leaving here the vestments in which they minister. For the vestments are consecrated. Before proceeding to the area open to the people, 
they shall put on other garments. When he had finished the measurements of the inner temple area, he led me out by way of the gate, which faces east, and he measured off the entire area. He measured the east side with the measuring rod, five hundred a moat in rods. By the measuring rod he turned and measured the north side, five hundred a moat in rods by the measuring rod. He turned and measured the south side, five hundred a moat in rods by the measuring rod. Then he turned to the west side and measured it, five hundred a moat in rods by the measuring rod. Thus he measured it on the four sides. It had a wall completely surrounding it, five hundred a moat long on each side, to separate the consecrated from the unconsecrated. Then he led me to a gate, the gate that faced east, and there coming from the east with a roar like the roar of mighty waters was the presence of the God of Israel, and the earth was lit up by his presence. The vision was like the vision I had seen when I came to destroy the city, the very same vision that I had seen by the Shabar Canal. Forthwith, I fell on my face. The presence of Hashem entered the temple by the gate that faced eastward. A spirit carried me into the inner court, and lo, the presence of Hashem filled the temple. And I heard speech addressed to me from the temple, though the man was standing beside me. It said to me, O mortal, this is the place of my throne, and the place for the soles of my feet where I will dwell in the midst of the people Israel forever. The house of Israel and their kings must not again defile my holy name by their apostasy and by the corpses of their kings at their death. When they place their threshold next to my threshold and their doorposts next to my doorposts, with only a wall between me and them, they would defile my holy name by the abominations that they committed, and I consumed them in my anger. Therefore, let them put their apostasy and the corpses of their kings far from me, and I will dwell among them forever. Now you, O mortal, describe the temple to the house of Israel, and then let them measure its design, but let them be ashamed of their iniquities. When they are ashamed of all they have done, make known to them the plan of the temple and its layout, its exits and entrances, its entire plan and all the laws and instructions pertaining to its entire plan. Write it down before their eyes that they may faithfully follow its entire plan and all its laws. Such are the instructions for the temple on top of the mountain the entire area of its enclosure shall be most holy. Thus far, the instructions for the temple. And these are the dimensions of the altar, in a moat, where each is an ama and a tefa. The trench shall be an ama deep and an ama wide, with a rim one zeret high around its edge, 
and the height shall be as follows. From the trench in the ground to the lower ledge, which shall be an ama wide, to a moat from the lower ledge to the upper ledge, which shall likewise be an ama wide, for a moat. And the height of the altar hearth shall be for a moat, with four horns projecting upward from the hearth, for a moat. Now the hearth shall be twelve amot long and twelve broad, square, with four equal sides. Hence the upper base shall be fourteen amot broad and four equal sides. The surrounding rim shall be half an ama high, and the surrounding trench shall measure one ama, and the ramp shall face east. Then he said to me, O mortal, thus says Hashem, These are the directions for the altar on the day it is erected, so that burnt offerings may be offered up on it and the blood dashed against it. You shall give to the Levitical Kohanim who are of the stock of Zadok, and so eligible to minister to me, declares Hashem, a young bull of the herd for a sin offering. You shall take some of its blood and apply it to the four horns of the altar, to the four corners of the base, and to the surrounding rim. Thus you shall purge it and perform purification upon it. Then you shall take the bowl of sin offering and burn it in the designated area of the temple outside the sanctuary. On the following day you shall offer a goat without blemish, as a sin offering, and the altar shall be purged with it, just as it was purged with the bull. When you have completed the ritual of purging, you shall offer a bull of the herd without blemish and a ram of the flock without blemish. Offer them to Hashem. Let the Kohanim throw salt on them and offer them up as a burnt offering to Hashem. Every day, for seven days, You shall present a goat of sin offering as well as a bull of the herd and a ram of the flock. You shall present unblemished ones. Seven days they shall purge the altar and cleanse it. Thus shall it be consecrated. And when these days are over, then from the eighth day onward, the Kohanim shall offer your burnt offerings and your offerings of well-being on the altar and I will extend my favor to you, declares Hashem. James 5, 1-20 Go to now, you rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rest of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, cries. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived in pleasure on the earth, and been wanton. 
You have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just, and he does not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth, and has long patience for it, until he receive the early and the latter rain. Be you also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draws near. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge stands before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brothers, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no, no, lest you fall into condemnation. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brothers, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converts the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. Psalm 119, 1-16 Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect to all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Where and how shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart have I sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, 
teach me your statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies, as much as in all riches. I will meditate in your precepts, and have respect unto your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Proverbs 28, 6 and 7 Better is the poor that walks in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Whoso keeps the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of riotous men shames his father. I want to speak to you today from the reading that we did in Ezekiel chapter 42 and 43 and also connect that to what's happening in current events in Israel. So let's begin in chapter 43, verses 10 and 11. Now you, O mortal, describe the temple to the house of Israel, and let them measure its design, but let them be ashamed of their iniquities. When they are ashamed of all they have done, make known to them the plan of the temple and its layout, its exits and entrances, its entire plan, and all the laws and instructions pertaining to its entire plan. Write it down before their eyes, that they may faithfully follow its entire plan and all its laws. The Israel Bible commentary to that verse Verse 11 reads as follows. The sages describe a conversation that took place between Hashem and Ezekiel after the prophet had been exiled to Babylon. The Lord tells Ezekiel to teach the design of the third temple, the Beit Hamikdash, to the children of Israel. Ezekiel answers, Let it wait until we return to the land of Israel. We cannot build it here in Babylon. Hashem turns to the prophet and responds, No, teach it to the people now, because when the people study the design of the temple, I will consider it as if they have already begun to build it. Today, scholars in Jerusalem are studying the design of the third temple and are already building vessels to use in it, including the solid gold menorah prominently displayed at the top of the stairs leading down to the Kotel. Now let me relate this to current events. Recently there was an election in Israel and by a large majority Netanyahu has been re-elected as Prime Minister. And there is an individual by the name of Ben Gavir and he is very controversial He's been accused of all kinds of things. But one of his very strong stands that he takes is that Jews should be allowed up on the Temple Mount to pray. And also, there's a growing groundswell of support that a piece or a part of the Temple Mount should be given over to the Jews. And what would they do with that? piece of property, they would put their altar up there. Now, if you've ever been to Jerusalem, there is a beautiful museum called the Temple Institute, 
And when you go through the museum, they have all kinds of things that would go inside of a future temple, including priestly garments and vestments, silver trumpets, basins, um, the items that would go into the holy place uh, that hold the loaves, the loaves of bread that holds the table of incense. But also there is an altar. It's a smaller version. It's not the full-size version, but it's the altar. And what we read about today in Ezekiel chapter 43, in the closing verses, is it talks about how the altar is to be set up in the outer courtyard, and then for seven days the altar has to be consecrated or purified. And so each day one bull and one goat are sacrificed upon the altar to dedicate the altar, to make it consecrated, holy, and set apart. And at the end of the seven days, then the altar is ready for use. And that the Kohanim from the line of Zadok would be the ones who would do this. Now, a few years ago, when I went through the Temple Institute Museum, our guide spoke about this altar as we stood in front of it. It's behind glass. And he said, we can dismantle this altar and set it back up on the Temple Mount within hours when the time is right, when it is the right time to do that. So there's now a political culture in place right now in Israel that would lean in a favorable direction towards allowing Jews to have greater access to the Temple Mount, to be able to pray up there, but even potentially to set up their altar up there. Now here's the prophecy. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 24, and these are the words of Yeshua. And he's talking about, he's answering the question that his disciples asked him. They said, what what are the signs of your coming? He's answering that question. So in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, it says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. So he's saying, basically, get out of Dodge quickly. When you see the abomination, when the altar gets shut down, and an abomination takes its place. So what prophecy is Yeshua referring to? This is t- taken from Daniel chapter 9. And I'm just going to read the last verse. Chapter 9, verse 27. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Um, I think that makes it more clear. You can read in the King James and the New King James, and it's really difficult to understand. But I think the New Living Translation makes it more clear. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, the ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. But after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object 
that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. So, basically, for this prophecy to be fulfilled, the altar does need to go up on the Temple Mount. We don't need to see the entire temple built, just the altar. And the altar will be in use for a period of time. And then the altar will get shut down and some kind of an abomination will go up in its place, perhaps an image of the Antichrist himself. And he will demand that people worship that image. And so this is the prophecy that Yeshua is referring to from Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. So, as we read today from Ezekiel 43 about what God's protocol is for the use of the altar in the outer courtyard of the temple, there is a seven-day period to consecrate it, where they do sacrifices upon it to set it apart and make it holy. And after that, then it can be used for all kinds of sacrifices. We may see this soon. This could happen. This could happen sometime in December at at the time of Hanukkah. Um, The theme of Hanukkah is rededication of the temple. That's what Hanukkah is all about. The Maccabees uh, took the temple back from the Greeks The temple had been terribly defiled, and Zeus set up a statue of himself inside the temple, and he sacrificed a pig on their altar, defiling it. And the Maccabees took the temple back at the time of Hanukkah and cleansed the temple. So the whole theme of Hanukkah is rededication of the temple. So you know, and I know, that God works in patterns. History repeats itself. So will a portion of the Temple Mount be given over to the Jews sometime in the near future? And will they set up their altar on that Temple Mount? And then, once the altar is dedicated and it's in use, will it get shut down and an abomination go up in its place? Will we see that in the near future? This is something that we continue to watch for. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. 
Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.